You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody at home and abroad, where you may be. If you are watching us and you're not in Canada in particular, we would love you to say hi. Hit that prayer request button, say hi, reach out to us. We are just so excited that everybody is, uh, is out there in internet land. And uh, it's pretty awesome that in our little corner of the vineyard, in our little service is being watched, only the Lord knows where. Isn't that pretty awesome? So uh, welcome to you all. And um, if you ever want a live service, we're right here, 189 Sandiford. And uh, hopefully we never get shut down again. And uh, believing for that. Amen. I want to talk today. I look back over the last few years of what I actually talked about, what I looked at uh, the past uh, three or four or five Thanksgivings. And it was shocking. I'll tell you this. I was talking about giving thanks. It's quite shocking. Quite shocking that I would do that on Thanksgiving, isn't it? Uh, And what am I going to do today? I'm going to do the same thing. It's amazing, but just nothing heavy today. I just wanted to encourage us and remind us. And uh, I want you to say this phrase after me. Will you be the one? Say that with me. Will you be the one? That's the phrase I want you to walk out church saying today. Will you be the one? There's a story uh, of Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 11, if you could put it up for me. It says this, as Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. He entered, uh, as he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, uh, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, note that phrase, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done, and this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Is that it? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm all, I'm all kerfuffled. Okay, and then so he fins by saying, has no one returned to give uh, glory to God except this foreigner? There's 10 people that gets healed. Okay, and, this, and as Jesus said, stand and go, your faith has healed you. And that's the end of the story. So here you have 10 people get healed. 10 men, it says, get healed of leprosy. And mark, mark this for sure, they're all incredibly thankful, okay? Don't ever think that they weren't. They, they all were incredibly thankful for what happened. I'm almost positive of that. But only one bothers to come back and to say it. So, will you be the one? Are you getting it now? Ah, will you be the one? Will you be the one who lives your life like that? You see, gratitude 
is something, it's not just something that we owe somebody if they do us a favor. It, gratitude actually defines who we are. It defines who we are as a person. We know, uh, I mean, studies will show beyond a, uh, a shadow of a doubt that, that people who are thankful always do better in life. Thankful people are happier, they'll, they're healthier, they have more friends, they just generally do better in life than those who are not unthankful, those who are complaining, those who are bitter. It's time, now last week we talked about it's time to grow, now I left out thankfulness, I wonder why, maybe because we're going to talk about it today, but it's time to grow in gratitude. It's the, other, it's the other thing that we need to grow in as mature believers. It needs to be getting stronger, greater, deeper, more powerful in our lives. It's not just something we say when someone opens a door for us or does us a favor. It literally defines us. It's who we are at our core. We are people of gratitude. And so we talk about on a weekend like this, all the material blessings, you know, and I, I looked up some stuff like if you've never been in prison, if you've never been tortured, if you've never suffered starvation, you're better than more than 500 million people in the world. If you can attend church without harassment, without being arrested or the threat of death, you're more blessed than over 3 billion people in the world. Did you know that? If you have food in your fridge, clothes on your back and a roof over your head, you are richer than 75% of the world. That is how blessed we are. We have many material and physical blessings, and of course, we need to maintain a thankful attitude for all that we have. But for those of us who know the Lord, those of us who have received his spiritual eternal blessings, we have to be even more grateful. Someone said amen. For listen, we have been blessed with things that are greater than material things. Food will go away. Cars will go away. Houses will go away. Clothes, all the stuff that we're thankful for and we're blessed with. It's not eternal stuff. Shirts get tight when you get too fat, you know, pants wear out, cars get too much mileage, you've got to find another one. It, it just, it comes and goes. We sell houses, we move into new ones. It, these things come and go, but, uh, and we're thankful for them. But there are things that are greater than these material blessings. The things that God blesses his children with are eternal. They're eternal benefits. They are eternal blessings in our lives that will never fade away. We have them now, and from, from now until all of eternity, they will still be ours. When we face death and we close our eyes for the last time, the eternal blessings of God are still ours. They leave, they do not leave when we die. They are with us. That we know that when we leave this earth, that when this body shuts down, we will be in the presence of the Almighty God. And so his eternal blessings will be with us forever. These are the most important things. The things that last for eternity are way more important than things that come and go. So I think you get that. But listen, uh, the story, let's get back to the story now. If you had leprosy back in Bible days in, in ancient times, it was a death sentence. It, it, it was brutal, absolutely brutal. It was the most dreaded disease 
that you could ever possibly get. In fact, the emotional pain and the mental agony of having leprosy, they say, was even worse than the physical pain because you were cast out of your town, you weren't allowed to work, so imagine trying to survive without being allowed to work. That's why they were always having to walk around and beg because they weren't allowed to work. They couldn't earn a living. So they always were having to count on somebody giving them food or something to survive. And people could live a while with leprosy. It was just this slow, agonizing death and the emotional pain of being cast out of your town. Uh, You're not allowed to work. You're forbidden to see your family. You're not allowed to see your friends. And as a matter of fact, you weren't even allowed to be within six feet of somebody. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's truth. You weren't allowed to come within six feet of people. And when, when your presence was, was still afar off, you had to shout and tell people that you were arriving. And it wasn't a proud thing. Hey, here I am. Roll out the red carpet. Welcome me with food and gifts and presents. No, it was unclean. Unclean. You imagine? How I just like psychologically what that's doing to you, right? It was a terrible, terrible thing. Lepers would band together and they would roam around looking for food. They would, they were, they would roam around looking and begging uh, for help from a distance for anything they could get. They said leprosy was the great equalizer. It didn't matter if you were a man or a woman. It didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, a Samaritan. If you had leprosy, you hung out with lepers. It was it. Your, 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 your background was irrelevant. How much money you had, who you were, what you did for a living, what kind of family you had. Leprosy just wiped it all out. All you were known from that day on was you were a leper. That's it. It was a horrible, terrible thing, a shameful thing, and just, a, a, just a, a terrible situation to be in. There's a scriptures that the Jews used to live by in terms of uh, leprosy, and I wanted to show you a couple. In Leviticus chapter 13, it says this, Those who suffer from a serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. I don't know why you'd bother with your hair, but you're not supposed to comb your hair, all right? They must cover their mouth. (gasps) This is ancient masks. Must cover their mouth and call out, unclean, unclean. And as long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. And so this is what was going on in the lives of lepers. And so these 10 lepers see Jesus. They come to him, and from a distance, they, after they shout, unclean, unclean, they come within his earshot, and they start crying out to Jesus for mercy. Now, they didn't come to Jesus for food. You know what they came for. They were coming in faith, believing that Jesus, the Son of God, the miracle maker, could do something in their lives to bring healing and transformation. They were looking for freedom and healing. They weren't crying out for food. They knew who Jesus was. It's an amazing thing. And here's, the, and here's, my, here's our first point today. They have enough faith 
to believe for healing, but they fall short on giving thanks. Isn't that funny? It's an odd combination, isn't it? See, these 10, these 10 people, they have faith in Jesus. They cry out to him for help. They believed that Jesus could heal them. They believed it. Jesus does all these miracles, and they know all about it. And, and Jesus healed lepers before, and he would do radical things like he would get inside the six-foot safe zone, remember? And he would touch lepers, right? And leprosy would leave. But this time, he doesn't do that. In fact, he doesn't even hardly say anything to them. All he does is he looks at them. It says, he looked at them, and he says these words, go show yourselves to the priest. That's all he says. And, and then as they went, they were healed. So understand that in order for a leper to be accepted back into the community, so he could go back home, he could get back to work, he could go back to his, his family, he had to be declared clean. And the only person who could declare a leper clean was a priest. So you, you'd have to go if you believed that your leprosy was healed, you had to go see a priest and he would write you up what was called a certificate of, uh, of something. And uh, he'd write you up a little piece of paper and then you could, you could go back to your life. So uh, going to the priest was a normal thing to do for a leper who was healed. And so Jesus says, go to the priest. Show yourselves to the priest. And why I said notice the phrase, as they went, okay, it's important, and sometimes we miss that phrase. They believed that Jesus could heal them. That's why they came to him and started shouting for mercy. And then when he says, go show yourselves to the priest, what did they do? They turned and started to walk towards the priest. They obeyed. That's what they did. They obeyed. And this is another reminder that we've seen time and time again in Scripture that I've talked about multiple times of doing our part, right? What do we do after the amen, right? They cry out, Lord, help. They pray, in effect, Jesus, help me. And he gives them the answer in a weird sort of a way. And what if they had said, that's nuts, Come over and touch us. Do something. He just wants us, you know, he just says, go show yourselves to the priest. And they go, really? Uh, okay. They turn around. And as they went, imagine, as they're on their way to see the priest, their skin starts to get healed. The lesions on their face start to fall off. That all of a sudden they begin to see that God has healed them. Could you imagine the joy? right? They're, they're looking at each other. They're weeping. They're hugging. They're dancing. They're celebrating. They're absolutely thrilled that they are healed. Nine of them are so excited, they keep running to the priest because they just wanted to get back to their lives, I guess. And only one, the least likely one, I would add, goes back. Now, there's no doubt that they were grateful, incredibly grateful, and totally overjoyed as they see their bodies healing right before their eyes. They had believed, they had obeyed, and the miracle arrived. But, and I know that they're excited, I know that they're thrilled, I know that they're anxious to get back to their families and return to their lives. You could only imagine how, how grateful they must have been. But Jesus mentions that it's really no excuse for not coming back. No excuse. Come on. Didn't I heal 10? 
Where were the other nine? Will you be the one? They all show faith, but nine out of ten fall short on expressing gratitude. See, the hated Samaritan, the least likely person of the bunch, returns to say thank you. It didn't matter that he was a Samaritan a few minutes before. All he was was a leper. But now that they're healed, all of a sudden his identity returns. Now he's a hated Samaritan. Well, why were the nine other Jews hanging around with him if he was a hated Samaritan? Because it didn't matter. But now that they're healed, it matters. And it, it, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Kind of funny that way. But the hated Samaritan, the least likely person of the bunch, returns to say thank you. So the point is this. Believers, we have more reason to live with gratitude than anybody else. Anybody else on this planet, we have more reason to live with thankfulness. We have a personal relationship with the Almighty God. We are saved. Our eternity is secure in Jesus. And we should be the ones who are filled with thanks. We should be the ones who are counting our blessings. We should be the ones who are living our lives with a grateful heart, not a bitter, cynical, negative, complaining spirit. It is not a mark of a mature believer. A mark of a mature believer is someone who is growing in gratitude, who understands the depth of forgiveness that we've received, who understands the power and the hope of Jesus. This is a mature believer, and we are praisers. We are thankers. We are people who live with gratitude. The reason Jesus wants them to return is not because he wants them to say thank you that much. It's so that God could get the glory. That's what he says. He said, didn't I heal ten? Only one returns to give glory to God? This is the point. We say thank you, and when we say thank you, God, for saving me, thank you for healing me, thank you for, for helping my children, thank you, Lord, for touching my body, thank you for opening a door, thank you for giving me a new job, thank you. You know what you're doing the whole time? You're giving credit to Him, and He gets glory for it. And so this is, he's not, he's not some egomaniac who wants us just to say thank you, to, build, to puff him up. He's saying, when you come back and say thank you for the things that God has done in your life, guess who gets glory? And this is what's important. This is why it's important to be a person of gratitude. Everything you have is from him. And every time you say thank you to him, he gets the credit, he gets the glory, he gets the recognition. Somebody said yes right? This is important. So will you be the one? Doesn't matter what the other 90% does. Will you be the one? See, the Samaritan was the least likely to return to give God the glory. But believers, we should be the most likely to return thanks. We should be the most likely people to live with what they say is, I'll say it one time just to get it over with, the attitude of gratitude. And I promise I won't say it again. <laughs> but it's true, amen? It's true. We should be, if the Samaritan was the least likely, believers should be the most likely because of everything that we know about him and everything that he's done for us. In these days that we live, gratitude is becoming rarer and rarer and rarer. And the Bible actually predicted that days like this would be upon us. 
there's a passage that particularly says it well. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, You should know this, Timothy. This is Paul talking to Timothy as he's beginning his uh, pastoral work. He says, Timothy, in the last days, there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud. They will be scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Does that define our world or what? It's happening right before our eyes. One of the things that he mentions, of all the things that he could mention to Timothy is, in the last days, people are going to be growing in ungratefulness. People are going to start you know, uh, demanding their, their, their way. They're going to start taking for granted the blessings that they have, the help that they've received from their parents, from their teachers, from their pastors, from their friends, from their neighbors. And we can't let ourselves grow in, in ungratitude. We can't let ourselves become rude. We can't let ourselves become ungrateful. Grateful people stand out from the crowd now because it's so rare. Why do people say, what are the, one of the things that people note about Canadians? That we say one word more than anything. Sorry. Yeah, no, besides A. I mean, besides A. A's passe now. Now we say sorry. You must be Canadian. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Oh, it's okay. Sorry. Sorry. It's, it's noted about us. We say sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, like, by the way, I think that's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. So, uh, grateful, grateful, grateful people stand out from the crowd, and it's becoming a rare thing in our world. We can't let it creep into our lives. We can't be people who are quick to ask, like quick to pray, but slow to say thanks. This is the story that we see today. We can't, we can't enjoy the gifts and forget the one who gave us the gifts. We, we, can't, we can't just receive the gifts and not say thank you to the giver. See, it takes us down a wrong path, ungratefulness and ingratitude. It makes us hard. It makes us cynical. It makes us bitter. It turns us into people that we don't want to be. Gratitude keeps our joy. It keeps our praise. It keeps our tenderness. It's, it's what we want to be. It's who we want to grow in and become. This is why it's important. The question Jesus asked that day, where are the other nine? That should never apply to a believer in Jesus. You know why? Because we are the one. We are the one who returns to say thanks. And most of all, we're the ones who return to give the glory to God. This is why it's important. So the focus of Thanksgiving weekend, it shouldn't be on what. Let's focus a little more on who, shall we? When we sit down with a full plate, we're blessed. 
we're blessed. Who is the ultimate source of every good thing? Come on. Who's the ultimate source of every blessing you've ever received in this life? The rain falls on the just and the unjust, but the just at least realize it and give glory to him. He blesses everyone, but we know it and need to say thank you. James chapter 1, verse 17, it's not on the screen, but it says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God the Father. Whatever is good and perfect in your life, whatever is good, it's come from God the Father. He is the ultimate source. He's the source of every good thing. So yes, we're thankful for our material blessings. Yes, but we are reminded today especially, we are to be the one who goes back to the source and expresses thanks and praise and gives him the glory for everything that he's done and everything that he's ever provided and everything that he is yet to provide. Every day we wake up is a gift of God. Every blink of your eye is a gift of God. Every breath you breathe, think about it, is, a breath, uh, is just a blessing. He loves us and is pouring out blessing. He's holding this world together until one day he will gather his children home. And we will be grateful that day. We will be grateful that day. And we need to grow in gratefulness now. So, look at this verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, even the tough ones. Even when my aunt comes over and is just a giant pain, Although she's not allowed to come over because of COVID this year. I'm thankful for that. No, I'm not. Just joking. Just joking. You know. <laughs> thankful in all circumstances. Yeah. Right? For this is God's will for you. What does God want you to do and to be? He wants you to be a person who is thankful. This is his will for you, for all who belong to Christ Jesus. He wants us especially to be people of thankfulness. So some reasons to be thankful, there's so many, and uh, I'll, just, uh, I'll just rip off some, but look at Psalm 100, verse four. It says, enter his gates with, say it with me. Yeah. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. So when we come to church, when we're entering his gates, when you wake up in the morning, when you're standing in the shower, thank you, Lord, for hot water because it's a lot nicer than cold. Thank you, Lord, for getting me up in the morning. Thank you, Lord, for the bills that are on my table. Thank you, Lord. I'm half, even the bills? Yeah, even for the bills. It means that you've gotten something and you've, you've been blessed by it. You, get, you pay a gas bill because you're blessed to have gas. You pay a hydro bill because you're blessed to have hydro. You know, everything we give thanks in, even for the difficulties, Lord, I give you thanks. You're going to get me through. I know that your grace is wonderful and sufficient. I know that you're God. I'm going to be thankful and grow it in my life. So will you be the one who is thankful for a Savior who gave himself up to die so that you can be forgiven. Psalm 103 verse 4 says, He redeems me from death. From death. 
and crowns me with love and tender mercies? Will you be the one who is thankful to be redeemed? And if you're here or online watching, and you go, that's a weird word, redemption. Redemption simply means deliverance. It means rescue. So when it says, when it says you have been redeemed from death, it means that you have been rescued from it. And you don't have to worry about it anymore for you are in the palm of his hand. Will you be the one who stays thankful that his love endures forever? Will you be the one who rejoices in the promises to provide for all of your needs according to his riches in glory? Come on, look at what it says. Philippians 4, verse 19. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from His glorious riches which has been given to us in Christ Jesus. Will you be the one who grows sweeter and more grateful as you age? Seriously, please. I, I beg you. I beg you. Please grow sweeter. Please, more, please grow more grateful. We have enough nasty people in the world and we surely have too many nasty Christians. It's an oxymoron in a weird way, like giant shrimp. You know, like Christian ungrateful. You know, last week we were saying words, certain words go together. Those two words don't go together. One of these things just doesn't belong, you know, it doesn't belong with us. We are to grow sweeter. We are to grow more grateful as we age. Will you be the one? Will you be the one who never takes heaven for granted? Are you looking forward to going? Will you be the one who's thankful for it? That at the end of the day, we win and we get to be with him. Like I say, there's an awful lot of good people in heaven. And one day we're going to join the throng of witnesses who have experienced his grace. Will you be the one who stays incredibly thankful that you have been saved by grace and not by works? Will you be the one who stays thankful that God loves you enough to keep working on your character? Look at what Paul said, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, and I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. He loves you enough to keep working on you. And when you look at your life, that's saying something. Because a lot of people would have given up on us, but he never does. God loves us enough to keep working on us. Will you be the one who is thankful that he hears your prayers? Will you be the one to recognize that his grace is sufficient? Will you be the one who is confident that he can help you make it through your troubles? Um, will you be the one who's thankful for his peace in the middle of your storm? Will you be the one who is thankful for his faithfulness? Will you be the one who's thankful for his mercy, his goodness, his favor, his covering and his anointing over your life? Will you be the one who expresses thanks for the presence of the Holy Spirit in you? He is in us. We are new creations 
in Christ Jesus? Are you thankful for the Holy Spirit's guidance over the years in your life? Are you thankful for his counsel, for his wisdom, for his power, for his touch that has been upon you time and time again? Moments that you didn't even know it was the Lord. It was, trust me. And you don't even know it was until you look back and say, how did I make it through? How did I know what to do? How did I have the courage or the strength or the knowledge or the wisdom or the power to do the right thing? Holy Spirit, that's why. Are you thankful for that today? Are you thankful to be saved? Are you thankful to be a child of God? Are you thankful today? Will you be the one who grows in thankfulness? Doesn't matter what the majority does. I'm asking you today, encouraging you today, including myself, we need to be the one. Look at these verses and then we're going to wrap up real quick. 1 Chronicles 16.34 Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Psalm 7.17 I will thank the Lord because He is just. I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Now here's two New Testament ones. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. And that's true. It's true. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything, to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And guess what happens? You will overflow with thankfulness it's a powerful thing and i know it's not listed as a fruit of the spirit but i'm telling you it's something that the spirit grows in us and as our roots grow down deeper into god it we grow in thankfulness as a result why because the more you know about him the more you understand everything that he's done the more that it it just births thankfulness out of your very core right you go into your small groups and you start talking about salvation you start talking about his mercy you start talking about where he's brought you from and the work that he's done in your life you walk at why are testimonies so powerful because they raise up our faith but they raise thankfulness in us someone comes up and says I was a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but the day I met Jesus, my life has been turned around. When you hear something like that, immediately you're blessed. Immediately your thankfulness rises. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving him. Thank you, Lord, for touching him. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for what you're going to do in my family, Lord. Still counting on you, still trusting you, still growing it in my life, Lord. It's this powerful thing that turns us into the kind of people we want to be. And without it, we become the people we don't want to be. It is powerful, powerful, powerful. We grow in thankfulness as we grow our roots down into Jesus. We are to be the one 
who returns and says thanks. We are to be the one who gives glory to God for every blessing that we've received. I read this quote this week, and it really touched me, and I want to I, I think I asked a question, you'll talk about it in your small groups this week, but I've been meditating on this quote, and let me share it with you. Uh, he, a guy said this, he said, if the only prayer you ever pray is thank you, that's enough. And I've been pondering that for several days. If the only prayer you ever pray is thank you, that would be enough. Think about that because I'm still thinking about it. Without gratitude, without gratitude, you're going to prolong your wilderness. Without gratitude, you're going to quench your joy. Without gratitude, you're going to stop your praise. Without gratitude, you're going to hinder your life. You're going to hinder your family. You're going to hinder your church. You're going to hinder your prayer life. And you're robbing God of getting the glory for the great things that he's done. Will you be the one who returns to give thanks? If you don't know Jesus today, and you're in the house or you're watching online, will you be the one? Will you be the one who goes back to say, I need a personal relationship with you. I need a personal connection with you. And as you hear me say all the time, it's always the first place to start. Being, I'm not just up here saying, encouraging us to be better people and just be thankful. It's a lot deeper than that. We're to be called as children, servants of the Most High God to carry His message of love and deliverance and power and freedom to the world. And thankfulness is just one of the characteristics that we exhibit because of what we've experienced in God. And you can grow in thankfulness, but you must meet Jesus first. If you don't know what He's done in your life, you can still grow in thankfulness. But when you believe Jesus and begin to understand Him, it will grow in your life. Like Colossians said, when, when, you, when you grow your roots down into Jesus, thankfulness is one of the things that will begin to grow out of your life. It is powerful. So listen, if you're online today, click that prayer request button. There's live people ready to take your prayer and to take your, uh, your message and we'll interact with you. Reach out to the church. We we, we have to keep doing the call of God. We live in a world that is going the wrong way. We're growing in ungratitude, and we are called to be the light and the salt, the difference makers. We stand out from the crowd. We are the salmon that swim upstream. And when we get to the top, we don't die, by the way. Hmm? We get to the top, and things are only going to get better. We just keep swimming upstream. One day when we really reach the top top, that'll be fine. I can die then. But we are people who are difference makers. We are different. We are peculiar. It says we are in this world, but not of this world. The Bible calls us aliens. You're an alien. You're a stranger, it calls us. Why? Because this is not our home. We are different. 
We look different. We act different. We think different. We process different. We are different. And thankfulness must be one of those things that, that makes us different. If you remove that out of our lives, then you remove our distinctness. You remove our difference. And we are called not to be the same, but we are called to be different. And one of those ways is thankfulness. So listen, you need Jesus in your life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe and receive, he says. So you're, you're to be the one. Be very grateful. Just say it with me. Will you be the one? Say this, I will be the one. Just say it one more time. I will be the one. Doesn't matter what the big crowd does. It doesn't matter that nine out of the ten go on their way. I, Lord, will be the one who returns to say thanks and to give you glory. Amen? Come on, let's stand together as we close today. Thank you, Father. Thank you for each one, Lord, that's here today, physically in the room. Thank you, Lord, for each one that is watching online live, and also, Lord, those that will watch later this week. We ask that, there'll be, that there's just be a touch of God on that YouTube clip, on that website clip. Somebody, Lord, will get saved and be impacted by the message of Jesus. Lord, help us. As we gather around our tables this week and this weekend with our families, we remember, Lord, all the material blessings that we have, and we are legitimately grateful. Our plate is full, Lord, spiritually and physically, because of the goodness of God. But Lord, help us to be more grateful for the things that really matter. Help us, Lord, not just to to say thank you when we bow our heads around grace and say thank you for the food and thank you for all you've provided. But let's remember all that you have eternally provided. Thank you, Father, for all that you have done. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth, dying for us, paying the price we could never pay so that we could experience freedom, hope, and joy. Thank you for all that you have done. May, Lord, we be the one who grows in gratitude. May we be the one, Lord, who returns to give glory to God. Help us, Lord. Help us. Grow it in us. And may the work of the enemy, I pray, Lord, that would, that would, that would just hover over our lives to, to want to like, make us think negatively. Turn us, Lord, to cynicism. Make us hard and bitter, Lord, and steal our thankfulness and our joy. We ask, Lord, today that the enemy would be defeated in our lives and that the, the powerful Holy Spirit would rule and reign over us and that we would grow, Lord, in the fruits of the Spirit. We would grow, Lord, our roots down deep into God. Let the winds blow, for our roots, Lord, are down deep. Let him huff and puff. Our house will not fall. Lord, thank you. 
Help us to be men and women. Let us be the one who grows our roots down in God, that we will rise up, Lord, in thankfulness and in joy and in power to be the light, the salt, the difference maker that you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. We can't do it on our own, but with you all things are possible. Thank you, Lord, today. May your blessing, may your power, Lord, may your joy, may your peace, may your anointing, Lord, be over the house today and over each of our houses over each life today. May we know, Lord, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. May we be men and women who are committed to be the one today. Thank you, Lord. 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 Thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done, everything that you are, everything that you've given, everything that is in store for those that have put their hope in you. Thank you today, O God. Thank you today, oh God. You are good, you are good, you are good. And we worship you and bless you. We give you the glory when someone says something, we would be, Lord, the ones who would direct it back to you. Thank you, Lord, that all glory goes to God. All glory belongs to God. Every good thing I've ever received is from you. Every good thing I've ever done is because of you. Every difference I've ever made, Lord, it's because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. Thank you, Lord. You're the one. You're the source. Today, Lord, we commit ourselves to be the one who returns to say thank you. Lord, grow it in us, I pray. And may your passion and your touch be upon us. Lord, shake us from our apathy and our indifference. Remove us, Lord, from being cold and pathetic. Help us, Lord, to be lively and on fire, ready to say yes, ready, Lord, to say thankful, ready to speak, Lord, uh, and to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. Thank you, Lord, today. You are good. You are good. You are good. Every day that I live, you are good. Every breath that I breathe is because of you. Thank you, Lord, today. We love you. And the least that we can do, Lord, is to give you the best that we got. So help us to do just that. We are committed, Lord, to be the one. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Stovall Pentecostal Church audio podcast. For more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.